hello everybody and welcome to uh game masters under dark i forgot our name for a minute uh, <laughs> where <laughs> three game masters get together and answer your questions about uh tabletop rpgs uh as always i'm will uh and this week i'm joined by matt r matt how are you doing this week doing sick yes uh yes i hope you are feeling the first better. time ever in my life dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we have matt h here with us this week uh matt how are you doing i'm doing good all the people in my house not so much but let's hope i stay healthy okay well uh i'm doing all right uh just <laughs> So Matt, Matt R is the only one feel a little down. Uh, you know, we, we hope you feel better, buddy. Uh, but I started school last week and I'm super busy. So, <laughs> um, you know, new, new semester, trying to get everything situated. So, yeah. Uh, so this week's topic is uh, challenge rating. And we decided to also uh, do random encounters. Uh, why you should do them, how you can use them. Uh, why they're beneficial, why they may not be, things like that. Um, so as a newer dungeon master, um, I've heard mixed things about challenge rating. Uh, I will say that. So anybody who's new, it is a little wonky to try to use. Um, there's a lot of tools out there that'll, you know, uh, can kind of help you. Um, even the DMG will kind of explain how it's used. Um, but it doesn't work for everybody. So we're going to kind of get into that uh, first. Uh, so what exactly is challenge rating uh, for a newer uh, GM? Uh, the challenge rating is a, this is straight from the DMG, by the way. Uh, it's a guide to a monster's overall power. As a general rule, monsters with a challenge rating higher than a party's level pose a significant threat. They might have abilities that easily outclass the characters or so many hit points they can wear the characters down even in a straightforward battle. Um, I will say that when it says the CR is higher than a party's level, that is the average level of your parties. So I think that is very important. If you have, uh, in, for example, in my game, one of the characters, you guys, I think, are both level six, but the character you're running with is level eight. So mm -hmm. it throws that average off uh, a little bit. Um, that is also assuming, uh, based off the G DMG, a party of three to five. I think four is kind of the sweet spot uh, from everything I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, but that is what is used. So when you're balancing an, an encounter, you take however many people you have, whatever their levels are, get the average. And that is, you know, the, the level or total levels, if you do a bunch of smaller monsters, of monsters you guys, your party should be able to, to fight. Um, that's odd because like I, I agree with that that you know sometimes if the HP is super high uh, we've all done that where we've had to adjust things on the fly from a, an encounter we thought we had um, where it can kind of get grindy um, but at the same time I think that depends on the DM, the the GM and how they're running that fight uh, you know the monster can have magic but if you're not using any of the magic it may be easier it may be harder. I think those things kind of kind of uh, play into that. But we'll start for you guys. Uh, first question I have is, in you, why do you think you should use challenge rating, if at all? If you don't think you should, obviously uh, explain that. But why do you think, if, if any reason, you should use it? You oh. can go first. Oh, OK. <laughs> uh, so I have found that it's helpful for newer DMs where if you don't really know quite what you're doing when it comes to setting up encounters and stuff like that, uh, it gives a good sort of ballpark of what you should be looking for. Like um, a group of monsters with a total cr of four and a single monster with cr of four those are two very different encounters but it's still sort of in that same ballpark uh that being said even no 
two uh, creatures with the same CR are exactly alike. Some are a little bit easier, some are a little bit harder, but they all, at least from what I've seen, generally fall around the same difficulty. Um, you know, all bets are off when dice start rolling, but with very few exception, uh, I've seen that a party of three to five, four being the average, going up against something that their uh, appropriate level could take on in CR, 95% of the time, it's a challenge, but they still come through. And that's sort of what you want. You never want to set them up for just for failure. Uh, you want to make it, you want to make it a nail biter, but you still want them to succeed and live. And I think that's sort of what CR boils down to is it's not a 50, 50, you know, this is a hundred percent, even with the players it's they're going to win, but they're going to be stretched to their limits. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, Matt, you uh, have, you're having like kind of a visceral reaction. Uh, <laughs> visceral? I don't know if I'd describe it like that. Damn. Um, I don't know. It was like CR only. <laughs> CR is still one of the things I struggle with all the time, and I specifically remember a few instances when I first started DMing, where I was like, "Yo, this DM thing is super easy." This is so cool. Just make good things. It's so easy. And then it was the moment where I was like, okay, guys, you guys are fighting specific monster. And they were like, okay, let's do it. And then I realized, wow, that specific monster is about to wipe the floor with them because I don't know what I'm doing. And that's after <laughs> like <laughs> reading the book and looking at it. And I'm like, it's the uh, probably the hardest part for me. And I think it's sometimes it can be the hardest part for a lot of people. Uh, so when I look at that, when I look at the, how it's broken down now, um, I kind of just look at a few simple key things. I don't really go straight for the, uh, okay, this says it's going to be a challenging encounter. So we're going to roll with it. All I look at is their AC, if it's hittable and makes sense based on everybody's <laughs> hit dice and so i'm like looking at everybody's dice and uh just kind of judging being like okay well if matt rolls poorly he will never hit this monster i'm like i kind of want something in the middle to give matt like that option to have to of course to hit the damn monster and so i'm looking at that i'm looking at the ac um so as like i'm adjusting the monster's cr I can look at the H, sorry, AC and HP. I can kind of adjust those and be like, okay, does that seem like a, just a massive pool of health for no reason? That might, that encounter might last forever. And then the final thing I look at is their damage when, uh, well, when they do damage, because like you could have, oh, the monster, you hit the monster with a 10. That seems fair. Sure. Um, and then the HP might be 26. Sure, that's cool. That's like a few minutes of an encounter. And then the damage might be like 8d5 or that's, that, that doesn't exist. Hold on, 8d6. <laughs> 8d6. And I'd be like, that could kill somebody depending on what level they're at. And so I kind of take in the characters that are coming to the play, to the board um, in account and I'm looking very closely at what everybody can do. And now, I mean, that's just what making an encounter is. But when it comes to like making a, using something that is the correct CR rating or CR, um, I don't think there is a correct one. You just gotta kind of look at it and it's going to be trial and error i think for the most part especially if you're a new dm it's going to be trial and error until you start realizing okay this kind of cr is roughly what i want for this uh amount of players yeah and that's that's a really good point i think based on your uh players you know counting the encounter i think a lot of that too 
CR is tough because like one group of four is not the same as another group of four, <laughs> if that makes sense. So if you have a, a bunch like a we'll just if you have a group of four that is like all men maxers, they're they're totally built the way they should be. It doesn't they can sometimes go above that CR because their character is balanced in a way that makes them super strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have other another group, which uh, I think we fall into this kind of that kind of a kind of a lot is we we build our characters to flavor our character. So it may not be min max. It's like my character is good at this, so I'm going to be good at this. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I obviously we all play that way. Um, That's when you can fall into a kind of a trap a little bit where you create a seemingly easy CR encounter and realize everybody's just having a good old fun time being a bard and nobody's going to take this hit well. (laughs) Well, exactly. And uh, one thing I will say of being new uh, is I do use the CR quite a bit. Um, I use uh, obligatory, not sponsored D&D Beyond reference. Uh, I do use their their combat encounter creator um, because it does kind of give you those those levels based on uh, average level. It, it kind of does all the math for you. Um, of course, it is based on a, a party of four. Uh, so sometimes we have that, sometimes we don't. Um, but one thing that I will say that I, I think would make it easier uh, to judge how to build an encounter is... Uh, if wizards in any of their book, any of their books rather, uh, had something that explained how the monsters work, and by that I mean I'm going to reference specifically a book that we've all talked about and I just bought a couple weeks ago, which is "The Monsters Know What They're Doing," <laughs> or the sequel, "More Monsters Know What They're Doing." Um, that book is awesome. I have the first one. Uh, I'm hoping to get the second one for my birthday here in a couple weeks, um, but it explains like. Uh, like based on a monster's intelligence, wisdom, strength, blah, blah, blah. Like here's how they would fight if they were a real person, basically. And I've read that book in like even a simple goblin encounter. I'm like, ooh, I know how I can make this interesting now because he explained uh, the author whose name I do not have in front of me right now. And I apologize for that. Um, Keith Amen, there it is. Uh, He breaks down like, Here's how they would attack based on their movement, what they have available, blah, blah, blah. And so I think you can make a low CR goblin encounter super interesting if you know tactically how to use them. And I think that that's something, uh, as a new DM, it can be overwhelming. So I I do want to say that because if that's not how your brain necessarily processes things, it could be a lot. But if, if I just look at a goblin stat block, I'm like, oh... They're a bunch of dummies who, you know, shoot bows and arrows and try to stab when really you can do a lot of interesting things with them, especially if they're with a group of... (laughs) I'm still here. Disappeared. Uh, But especially if they're with a group of, say, uh, bugbears. So the bugbears are the tank, and now you've got these goblins flanking, and it can make things really interesting. And I think it, it would help the CR... Uh, judging the CR better if you knew how the monster acts, if that makes sense. Because like Matt said, not all CR4s are the same. Well, if this CR4 is better at brute strength, yeah. well, maybe your party is a bunch of bards. Let's not use that one. <laughs> yeah, and being a new DM looking at the monster manual, there's a lot of things in there that you just don't know how it works quite yet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. Um, I, I do think it just takes, like you were saying, some finesse and playing and uh, sometimes play testing. Um, mm-hmm. Like I know at least for me, I have like multiple like test characters and I've created like a campaign and I'll go in and play with it. And I'm like, Ooh, that doesn't make sense. Like, like that's not that. <laughs> example of testing would be like, we kind of put together a test in a sort uh, game where we, we did the, the whole like uh if you guys remember the gladiator <laughs> scene yeah remember that we kind of yeah. like put that together just to try out like what if i throw this monster at you as me as a dm i'd be like what if i throw this monster at how would they react and 
And I remember that's weak. They're so weak. Like a whole bunch more out there. And then it was the first time they hit somebody. Never mind. <laughs> that's that's where it's at. And so, like, and then recently I used that giant sand again. And having done that, um, the first time I was like, oh, I know kind of roughly how many I want out there to still make this challenging. And uh Matt recognized right away that like giant centipede oh they better not touch me <laughs> yeah that would took me a minute i didn't catch it at first <laughs> but uh but yeah so I, I i think that's a good thing um and i actually want to use an example i found from an old uh wizards article i think it was from like 2014 um matt r i think i read this to you last week when we first talked about this topic where they were saying um uh, so part of it as well when you use challenge ratings based on the XP earned for the day. Uh, a lot of groups don't use XP. We don't. <laughs> um, so that's another thing to keep in mind is uh, the CR can be a little misleading that way if you use milestone leveling. Because just because you do an encounter doesn't mean you level up. Just because you do three encounters doesn't mean you necessarily level up. Uh, it's called, you know, you're, you have a specific thing that you're reaching for to, to get the level up. Um, but I want to read this example because I think it captured it really well. So it says, uh, a creature with a CR higher than the party's level might easily fit into the XP budget for the day, but such a creature could present a deadly threat to the party. And the example they use is, an ogre is worth 450 XP and is a CR 2 threat. So it's challenge rating of 2. Uh, a party of 5 first level characters should expect to face about 500 XP worth of monsters for a challenging fight. So it sounds like the ogre is a good fight, right? <laughs> and then they go on. Uh, however, the ogre is only a challenge rating two creature because his damage is enough um, to drop most first level characters in a single hit. That doesn't mean you shouldn't ever throw an ogre at a first level party, but it does mean you should be ready for a tough fight, one that requires a mix of good luck and smart play for the heroes to emerge victorious. So that's a, I, I really like that example because... Uh, Spoiler alert, if you're a new DM and didn't know this, ogres don't like fire. <laughs> um, but if you're a new party and say you've never played D&D &D and you're like, an ogre makes sense. If you don't have fire damage, he's going to actually keep regenerating health. And that's going to be a problem. <laughs> or no, that's not an ogre. That's a troll. But That is a troll. I caught myself there. But hey, I can make an ogre like that if I want. My game, my rules, right? Maybe it's a half half troll <laughs> they both fall into the giant category though so. right but the point still stands in that a troll could be very dangerous for a low level party even if you have five six characters so um that's why a lot of times i look at how like thematically like you guys kind of know what you're getting in my game because it's a demon campaign so you guys kind of know what you're getting um but that doesn't mean i can't spice it up with multiple different ones um and again, the, the, the book is uh, Monsters Know What They're Doing is great because there's a specific monster I want to throw at you guys coming up soon. But it, it's got spells and stuff that I've never used. And I'm like, well, how does this work? And there's like five or six pages just on this one monster. And I'm like, this makes sense. I can use this. It's part role play. It's part combat. Sounds like we're, like we're going to die. You're not. If, if I wouldn't do five damn pages. <laughs> well, no, it's just because some of the spells like uh, there's spells that you don't run across very often, and it's not a monster that's used very often. Like <laughs> even the page on goblins, it's like a like maybe a page or page and a half, but it's because it's like people don't think of that creature in that way. <laughs> Whereas this one is like this is very rarely used, so here's how all its spells work, and here's how the monster should function based on you know the situation. Right. So I'm I'm very very when it comes to CR like I've already talked about me like adjusting things to fit the party, um I'm very much so in line of like if the CR just do doesn't work even like mid battle then I'm just like well we're changing things like right now because like it's, this is not going to be fun and that's I mean I think that's what it boils down to CR at its face value does not look fun to me <laughs> <laughs> and so. I think a lot of people, when they're like looking at D and D for the first time, they're like, "This looks fun." They get to that page and they're like, "Never mind." 
never mind actually (laughs) (laughs) and uh and so like i think fudging the numbers um is fine as long as everybody's having a good time um i know in the several encounters that i've played um i wanted the encounter to actually last longer so the players have technically killed the cr that i gave them but i was like i want i want them to do something like i want the (laughs) monster to actually do something and sometimes i mean i mean last time you guys just critted everything and so at one point at a certain point you're just like okay the players have got to know at this point that this thing's dead. <laughs> and so there's like almost a level, a cap of uh, realism that you can fudge it to. And, uh, but yeah. it's just really, everybody had a good time. Everybody killed what they wanted to kill. It was just like, you know, I, I had to fudge it so I can at least try. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's kind of the nice thing too, is that, um, like you said, you can adjust it on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I think I, I mentioned it before, but I know there was an encounter I did with you guys in my like test campaign I did for you guys to help me when I first started, mm-hmm. and I like I jacked something way up, and I was like, ooh, no, that that'll kill him. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll keep. So I like I kept the HP, but I took like the damage and stuff down. And I was like, okay, that fits better for what I want to do. Um, yeah, and there's there's yeah, so and there's tools online that'll help you do that you know like adjust the cr of a monster so um if you yeah there's quite a few so i'm not going to go over my top uh try to go over all of them but i think they're cool tools to use because they definitely let you mess with a monster pre-combat in um like i know i've written stuff down on like an index card or paper where i'm like uh if if too hard change it to this if too easy change it to this you know just like quick notes for myself so that I can I can make adjustments on the fly. Um, Matt, you got any other thoughts on? I know you've been DM, you guys have both been DMing a while, so you don't use it as much as I do. But, <laughs> but uh, any other thoughts on on challenge rating? Um, sort of the last thing and uh, something to keep in mind: the way how action economy works in D and D. Two two CR creatures are is going to be a harder fight than one four CR creature. Uh, so keep that in mind if you're using CR. Uh, the more overall actions that the total amount of enemies have, the harder that encounter is going to be. So just because you have a single creature that's you know, CR4 uh, does not mean that that encounter is going to be the same level of difficulty if you have, you know, 32 one-eighth CR creatures. <laughs> no, more attacks means more opportunity to crit. So, yeah. Yeah, I was saying, so I wish we still had four East Swarm rules. <laughs> right. Um, I do. I, I love going back to older editions and looking. I think we've all talked. I've talked to you guys about them. Like, did you know this was a thing? And of course, you two knew. But <laughs> I was like, I love these things. Like some of the older rules. I wish they Swarm being one of them. I wish they would bring back. But um, um, with that being said, uh, speaking of encounters, the other thing that I've seen as a, again as a new DM is um random encounters and a lot of people don't like those either (laughs) um and part of me understands it because you're basically putting uh the cr uh challenge rating to the test with randomness um dnd is already a game of randomness and i can see why a lot of people don't like that um but again I'm, i'm gonna read this this is from the dmg um, because I actually think it makes a lot of sense. Um, so it says, as characters explore a wilderness area or a dungeon complex, they are bound to encounter the unexpected. Random encounters are a way to deliver the unexpected. They are usually presented in the form of a table. When a random encounter occurs, you roll a die, consult the table to determine what the party encounters. 
Some players and DMs view random encounters in an adventure as time wasters. So even Wizards acknowledges this. Um, but it says, yet well-designed random encounters can serve a variety of useful, useful purposes, including creating urgency, uh, establishing atmosphere, drain character resources, uh, provide assistance, add interest, or reinforce campaign themes, which I just talked about um, <laughs> with, with mine. Um, and as an uh, add-on to that, uh, Zenithar's Guide to Everything actually has uh, random tables and encounters by terrain and level. So that's just more of a, a plus to that. So uh, I definitely agree with that. Like not every encounter has to, like Matt said, like be a 50-50 or even be like a total party kill. Um, sometimes you just want to throw a group of, I keep going back to goblins because they're easy, but like a group of uh, low-level CR monsters that are maybe humanoid because they have potions on them. And maybe your team, for maybe your party forgot to buy potions. So they loot the bodies and they find potions. That's providing assistance. Or, you know, maybe they, they haven't been challenged in a while and you, you know, you want to make, you know, because of the amount of resources they have, the next fight will be super easy. So you throw something big at them and now they have to use those healing potions or antidotes or whatever it is. So I agree with those premises. Uh, but I don't know about using random encounters to do that <laughs> um, myself. What do you guys think? I know I'm personally in the, I can just create an encounter that will do that camp. <laughs> but what do you guys think? To use random encounters, um, not at the, not during play. Uh, when I'm thinking of what I'm going to do in a session, um, hours, days before we play, um, that's when we use a random encounter just to kind of give me that random idea. And then I'll flesh it out a lot more. So it doesn't seem like a random encounter done randomly. Doesn't, I'm not just like, oh, it says four wolves here. So there's four, there's four wolves in front of you now. <laughs> like I don't I don't like that and so I try to put a little bit more depth into it and for me to do that uh, I just need more time so for a random encounter what I'll do is use it in the prep stage of a of creating a session and then like does that work oh yeah I can make that work and I, I make it seem not random and so when it comes to play it's just a part of the, it's just part of the game now. It's just normal encounter. I wouldn't consider it random at that point, but I use it almost as a tool to help me build the session. Okay. I've never, never thought about doing that before. That actually seems like a really good idea. Um, Matt, what about you? What do you think? The way how I use random encounters is sort of like what um, Matt says, where I roll most of mine before I even play. Uh, the way how I use them normally is there is a story beat or a section in a dungeon or whatever like that where I know combat is going to happen. I just don't know what to put there is my thing. Like you're going into an abandoned dungeon to find, you know, a magic sword, whatever. Obviously, if you're going into a, a dungeon with magic items, you're probably going to fight something in there. And, you know, if I, my brain hits a wall and I'm just like, gosh, what am I going to put there? I can't just have them walk into this cave and just be like, oh, behind door number one, boom, magic sword, the end, time to leave the dungeon. <laughs> I'm like, what am I going to put there? So will it be, you know, centipedes, skeletons? hobgoblins um you know that's when i would roll on the random encounter table and from what i've seen and from how i use it is i always i can't help myself from wanting to dig deeper whenever i use them i'll roll something up and i'm like ah okay i rolled hobgoblins they're guarding the sword i'm like but why are they guarding and then i go down this rabbit hole which ends up becoming an entire five session arc because i just <laughs> happened to roll 
roll on a D8 encounter table that a D12 of hobgoblins are going to be here. And now it has far-reaching ripple effects in the entire campaign because I couldn't decide whether I was going to put skeletons or giant fire beetles down there and I just happened to roll hobgoblins and now we're here that's how I use them that's how my brain works I'm not sure if everybody does that maybe I'm just a little off but it works for me yeah I mean uh, it kind of goes yeah. back to like old school D&D was like was probably the most sandbox you're gonna get um where it's it's very very much uh whatever you want to do we're gonna go do it here comes the random encounter and you like i feel like a lot of stories are built off of that like how you're saying like people just cling to what they like and uh then like things change a little bit to where like stories like an overarching multi-session story started becoming like more common and that's when like random encounters kind of became a uh for some players just kind of a kind of a nuisance so for me as somebody who does really like that overarching plot um i never i i don't ever tried to make the random encounter like really part of the plot like it's really just like almost like a gate and you gotta open it to get through the rest of the plot <laughs> yeah i actually uh I've not, so I've never used a random encounter table. I've looked at a bunch of them. You know, people have them all over the, all over the internet. Uh, I mentioned Xanathar's Guide. I obviously own that. Um, it's even in the Essentials Kit, um, which is, you know, good for beginners. But there's a section in there that every time you leave a location, you roll a table to see where uh, the big bad is. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't played it. Um, and it's like, but why? Like, if your characters, because the way it works is if your characters meet that thing the first time out, they're going to die. Right, right, right. Like, like so that the first time I read that, because um, I, I, I bought, you know, the essentials in the starter kit together, and I was reading it, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I was like, that, that table right there doesn't make sense. Um, but then they had other tables for like, okay, when you leave, um, depending on how far you travel because uh, they give you a, uh, a hex map to kind of judge everything on it's like if they're going to travel at least this far there should be one encounter this far two encounters blah 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 and i was looking at it and as somebody who is uh as you guys know a huge planner <laughs> probably too much more more often than not i was like that gives me anxiety because now i have to have all these monster stat blocks ready i have to have an encounter built like it, or at least ready that guys might not do and there's like 20 of them. No one wants you. <laughs> so I'm like, for me, I was just like, that's no, that's too much for me. I could not. And I'm like, Matt, if I do that, well, why are these people here? You know, it's one thing if it's like a, a skeleton or, you know, zombie, like, but now, oh, wait, zo those are bad. Why are they reanimating? Who reanimated these things? Great. Now I have a mage and a necromancer I have to deal with. Thank you. <laughs> That so it's a lot of anxiety uh, for me. <laughs> that kind of table is like roll to find out where this villain is every time they, the players do something or whatever. Um, that's, that seems like something that would be very beneficial like at the beginning of your prep time. So like you roll, find out and be like, does that work for the, the session that I've written? <laughs> then you can like fudge it from there. But, be, but pretty much like uh, I feel like if players try to do that in game roll and maybe it's like right there and you're just like well that just ruins the whole session right now i just planned the whole thing and it's gone now yeah exactly <laughs> so um i think well, while like i said wizards acknowledge themselves in the dmg that a lot of people don't use them i think a lot of how how they're presented has to do with that i do um, like hazards like not necessarily like oh here comes a monster. I do love hazards being oh, yeah, randomly like during play. Like oh no, here comes I don't know freaking frogs raining from the sky. And yeah, then, and it's like uh what what do we do? <laughs> I found a I found a cool one one time for travel uh, that I wish I had saved. Uh, this is when I first started like 
taking DMing seriously, but it was like um, traps that you could r- roll into. So like, mm-hmm. uh, if you're in the road, I always use like the, from, from Pokemon, like Team Rocket, like a hole in the road. Like there was one of those. There was uh, like, if you, like, like if you feel like an investigation, yeah. Like if you feel an investigation check, you set uh, the old school, like animal trap or like it sling you upside down, like. <laughs> Oh, if you get like a nat one, like whoop, now you're upside down and you gotta figure out how to get out of here, or a net drops on you. Like, yeah, those kind of tables. I was like, that's really cool. That gives you something to, um, to, to add a little flavor. Um, but I think in uh, yeah. Curse of Strahd, in one of the random tables, I think just at the uh, one of them is just like Strahd shows up. And I'm like, <laughs> and that that is one of the few games though where like the main baddie is kind of supposed to keep showing up and taunting you, um. But like if Strahd was like I don't know a freaking deadly dragon or something like that, and he just was on a random encounter table and I rolled it, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> right, and and I think that's the hard part is if you're a new DM and you roll for uh a dragon to show up you're not this is gonna i don't know how if this sounds correct but uh you're not gonna know better to not run that encounter you're gonna think it's dope yeah Everybody, new, everybody's yeah. gonna think it's dope until the dragon's turn right the first the first time uh you guys are grouped together and it does a 15 foot cone breath <laughs> and everybody fails a deck save and you're all dead on the first turn um i'll take like 12 d8 lightning damage and you're all level two Everybody's right. having a great time. <laughs> it's like ANTPK, so we got to start over. Um, and, and so, but that's what I'm saying. Like, as a new DM, you wouldn't know not to do that. Mm-hmm. You would just run that encounter because, yeah, it sounds cool. Um, that was something I learned very quickly from you guys. I was like, I, I remember asking about it, and you guys were like, uh, you can, you know, use some of the monsters from them, but don't make it random uh, because you need to know what they're fighting <laughs> and uh you know i i've I, I, obviously I, I haven't run a ton of combat but uh like i know this last time i used something from another adventure and you guys are like that was all easy i was like yeah, it was supposed to be like it was for like fifth level characters you guys are all like six and eight <laughs> but you talked your way out of the boss fight because that would have been a level 20 against you three <laughs> with some and i read you guys the spells that would have been a hell of a fight <laughs> So, you know, but you guys were able to talk, talk your way out of it and everything's cool now. So, you know, but that was something I learned from you guys was like, I'm going to have this here, but uh, combat does not have to be the only option. <laughs> and um, again, that's not something that you always learn from, uh, I think Wild Beyond the Witchlight, it says that like, it's focused on a lot of non-combat. It even says it in the book, like, yeah. you can fight but a lot of the encounters are set up with monsters that have a high enough intelligence that you could talk your way out of. It uh, is very unique. It's a very unique book. Um, I do like they they make an effort to say that um, a lot of the monsters actually are smart enough to to know that even themselves can probably talk themselves out of this fight. And so mm-hmm. fighting fighting it is really in the background in that book while beyond the witch light um but it is also a very deadly book because of that because you're go- also going up against creatures that normally would be deadly encounters um but the book itself and the narrative is uh really tooling with the idea like they're gonna talk first yeah and, a lot of and they, they want you to talk first and if you do want to fight though it's just gonna be like okay well i mean look at that stat block (laughs) it's gonna hurt (laughs) yeah and and so but that was something when um i haven't read the book but i i remember reading that like from a lot of the reviews um and even us talking about a little bit i was like i like that concept you know of you don't have to fight um and so like i've started to incorporate that and like the plus the the, the the book um it, it it's opened me up to a lot of things that i think is a dm you know you wish that wizards had a book like that <laughs> like i don't care how thick that book is if you had a book like the monsters know what they're doing 
that explained every monster and how they would react. I don't care if it's like, I see the cat. Is that Bean? Keeps phasing in and out. That is Lucy. Oh, it's Lucy. Yeah, sorry for those listening. I couldn't tell because she keeps phasing in and out. Um, But even if they had like... Using blink. Yeah, right. But even if they were like cat, it's a house cat. It'll scratch you. If not, it'll run away. Like if you yell at it. I don't care if it was like for for some easier you know monsters. It was something that small, like a sentence. But some of the bigger monsters they had an explanation for, um, you know, because again, you don't have to read all of it, just the ones that are into what you're using. Um, I think that would make things a lot easier to using challenger, um, or just setting up a random encounter. Even if you wanted to use random encounters and make your own table. You could say, okay, I know how this monster is going to react. That'll work for my party. If they, you know, even if it's a random thing, I know how I can role play. Yeah. And you can make it work. So, um, uh, Keith A. Man, again, monsters know what they're doing. Great book. I'm trying, like I said, I want to get the sequel. And uh, he even has a book, I don't know if you guys have seen it, on combat tactics for parties and like how parties can work together. Um, I have seen that actually. Yeah, that's a cool one. So that one kind of seems interesting. I, I might pick that one up too. Um, but I, I, I recommend for any new DM, pick the book. <laughs> or at least the first one. Because the, the sequel has more to do with Volos and Mordenkainen's. So uh, well, I want the second one. I, there's a lot of demon stuff in there I need to, <laughs> I need to go over. Um, but, you know, unless you, you know, but the first one is basically all the DM, uh, the monster manual. So. Uh, I highly recommend the book. It's great. Um, so that being said, I think we're all in the kind of no random encounters, <laughs> at least at the table uh, camp. Um, did you guys have anything else you wanted to add about either challenge rating or uh, random encounters uh, or even just encounter building in general uh, before we go? Uh, you got anything? Well, I'm going to kind of repeat something I said before is you're going to you're going to learn as you go and you're going to keep keep learning. And eventually you get to the point where you'll learn that, okay, knowing I know the classes, I know what spells are at their disposal right now. I have an approximate number of how much damage is going to be dealt each round. And that's, that just comes with time. And when, when you, when you get to that kind of point, uh, that's when, that's when things do start to feel easier. So like, just give yourself some credit and allow yourself to fail. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Matt, what about you? Uh, So something that I do, uh, and it's from like our OG box edition like first edition D, and it's something that i really uh wish they would bring back they might have touched on something similar to it um but you could sort of in, if you wanted to do random encounters and truly make them random and give yourself a little bit of mental exercise and uh figuring out how to make a random encounter narratively satisfying or engaging is i'm not sure if you guys have ever heard about it or have done it um i love using disposition tables uh for allies and enemies Um, pretty much it's uh 2d6 um snake eyes is immediately hostile and a 12 oh, is yeah, friendly yeah uh using that in conjunction with random encounters because it would really make it interesting and sort of throw your party off um and it would be something really cool narratively if you rolled like a roaming group of like barbaric bugbears and you roll and their disposition is like helpful and friendly right (laughs) can we help you along the way while we pillage (laughs) so and it 
it could create some uh, some interesting dynamics there. You might roll a random encounter that's not even a combat encounter. That's just like, oh, a merchant's cart's broken down on the ro road, and you roll disposition, and it's like immediately hostile, and you're like, oh, why? <laughs> why, right? <laughs> My damages. Oh. Right? You adventurers always trying to rob me. <laughs> right? And I mean, it, once again, me diving deeper into it, Maybe he thinks you're bandits and you couldn't mean like, oh, if he thinks that we're bandits, they must be having a bandit problem. And, you know, it it's all about, at least for me, even when I use random encounter tables, is using them more as inspiration tables Yeah. to where if I am at a point where I don't know what to do, I'll roll some dice and that gives me just enough creative juice to lubricate the old brain cogs to get them turning again. So that's how I use random encounter tables. If you want to try to use them, it works wonders for me. But uh, you do you. You can't run your game wrong. It's your game. So Yeah. 100%. And um, yeah, I, I like that. I've never even looked at them like that in depth. It was kind of like the first couple I saw, I was like, I don't like this. And I think I made the mistake of judging a book by its cover because clearly you guys have some, some other ways of using them. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and give them a look. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and see what makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I think in general, just, hey, let's roll to randomly fight something in the middle of <laughs> this adventure. I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not down for that one. <laughs> yeah. That to loop it all the way back to session zero like sometimes your kids don't even want that and so yeah. like you just talk to them and if they want to like if they if they want to really fight things like all the time yeah make a session and use the random encounters and they'll have fun and yeah. uh, uh but like if that's not really kind of their cup of tea then you're just throwing you're just throwing goblins at them for no reason and they don't get it <laughs> They don't get it. Those, yeah. those poor goblins. Right. <laughs> right. They had they they got mouths to feed. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I uh yeah, I agree. I think there's there's some benefit to them. Um but uh for random encounters and, and even CR. Uh they're few and far between, I think. Um definitely for, for newer DMs, I think use CR to start with, like we all kind of said, just use it as a gauge, and then once you get more familiar with like Matt, you said it perfectly. What classes have what abilities, spells, or you know things like that? Um, is a good word. Yeah, like once you get more familiar with that, um, it's a little easier to to go by things. I, th I think uh, if you use especially online tools, whether it's like Roll Twenty, D and D Beyond, um, Foundry, all kind of different things, where as a DM you can see your uh, players' character sheets. Um, I think that's that's been helpful for me. You know, we use D&D Beyond and create campaigns. And there have been times where I've gone into your guys's character sheets because I'm like, what can he do or not do? And it's like, ooh, I wanted to throw something at you guys. And I was like, that would murder you. Like, you have no way to counter it because you don't have enough spells or, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm, I'm not trying to murder you guys. Like, I'm trying to set up something bigger. Um like they said you know reinforce campaign themes well i'm not here to murder you i'm trying to set something up so if i threw that monster at you it wouldn't make sense so um i think if you as, again as a new dm uh, until you're comfortable with that uh if you guys are playing in person it might be a little harder i know some dms like collect their players character sheets so nobody messes with them um i've, I've heard of that being a thing um but you know sometimes just collect it to, to learn you know what i mean like you're not trying to necessarily keep anybody from cheating or anything but like you don't know if you don't look at it <laughs> so i used to do that i used to have you I, I matt might remember those days where i'd give everybody a book like a whole uh whole college rule book <laughs> <laughs> and i'd be like just that is yours for the session and we'll just write it in and i would actually collect those books afterwards and have them leave it at my house uh just so i can 
go through not necessarily look at what they can do but watch their little scribbles in the margins and what they remember and then that's what i'll take back so if you're an in-person group and you utilize something like that pay attention to like the little fun details that they wrote on the side like oh somebody's funny mustache they remember <laughs> that funny mustache and you can bring it up you can shave it and then they'll be heartbroken <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's hard to get one over on matt uh having played with him in person Matt's like, you can't do that. And it's like, oh, sorry, my bad. It was a mistake. <laughs> but <laughs> um, no, I, I, I like to mess with Matt, but but that is a good thing. Like Matt does know. So when somebody's like, I'm going to use, like my attack is this much damage. And he's, um, you, we've talked about, we you know, just like, you know, you know. <laughs> and you know. so. <laughs> I know, but like I wouldn't know that. You could be like, I do thirty-two damage at level two, and I'd be like, yeah, that sounds fine to me. Uh, but Matt would be like, no, that's not that's not possible. <laughs> and that's that's where just a lot of playing, a lot of running, you know. And like I said, lo- looking at the character sheets, reading. Um, I was gonna say just the player's handbook, but some of the books have <laughs> uh, subclasses and stuff too. But kind of you know, if you get time studying those and. Um, the important thing I will say is even if you don't memorize all of it, uh, knowing where to find the answer is just as important. <laughs> so um, that's that's uh, that's a big thing. You don't have to know it all. You just got to know where to find it. Yeah. So um, that being said, uh, how we, we appreciate everybody again for listening, watching uh, this first episode of the new year. Um, I am off tomorrow. Uh, today we record on Wednesday, so I should have this thing actually edited and ready to go Friday noon, Ooh. like our old schedule. <laughs> um, I say should because, um, you know, I also have a two-year-old in school, so <laughs> um, I will do my best uh, to, to get it on time. Um, but as always, we really appreciate everybody that listens and, and watches. Um, hopefully this is helping some of you. Um, and We always appreciate your feedback in the comments. Uh, if you got questions, you can leave those in the comments as well. Um, and yeah, we hope you guys have a, a happy Friday and uh, have a good weekend and happy gaming. We'll see you guys next week. See ya. <laughs>